What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Crush, Mini Crush Horror Movie Spooktacular Part 2. And I'm in the studio, everybody, with uh, Joe and Robert from Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Hi guys. Hey. hey thanks for going? having us on the show, man. You doing good? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Doing uh, great, yeah. So for everyone, for the uninitiated, uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind was one of our original uh, suite of stuff shows. Uh, I think it was originally called Stuff from the Science Lab? Correct, no. yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that name wasn't great. but <laughs> uh, And it changed a lot over the years from sort of um, kind of, I hate to say mainstream science, but it got a lot more offbeat and out there uh, when you guys kind of got on board. Uh, so why don't you tell everyone just briefly what your show's all about? Uh. Well, let's see. I t- <laughs> well, got, I mean, it is, be it, this it is still – okay, sorry. It is still a science show. Um, yeah. We, no, I mean, I, I don't know how offbeat I'd say we are. I'd say that, uh, I mean, the science we, – we still try to bring a mainstream uh, scientific skeptical kind of perspective. We're not like uh, out there peddling the science of, you know, crystal healing or something oh, like no, that. No, of course but not. we – I think maybe what you've detected is that we tend to, because of our interests, sort of – put science on a collision course with weird other topics. So we end up talking about how science topics intersect with movie monsters and with, uh, you know, epic poems of history and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess part of it just comes from 
us being a bit offbeat and like if we're going to try and describe some sort of, uh, in some cases, you know, pretty heady scientific topic. Yeah. Sometimes the metaphors we're going to turn to are going to be things like, say, uh, the Highlander movies. Right. <laughs> the first two, anyway. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think of all of our shows, um, it intersects a lot. Like, I think listeners to Movie Crush would really dig it because it intersects with film a lot of times, reference-wise and just, I don't know, sort of your approach. Um, so I think people would appreciate it. Listeners to this show. Cool. Well, I hope they check it out. Uh, yeah. j- just as a sample, like every October, we spend the whole month doing basically horror themed episodes. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So, uh, just a couple of examples. One episode we did earlier this month was about a British water demon called Jenny Greenteeth, who is oh this my lady. God. Yeah. She, she lurks in the stagnant pools, the old marl pits that have been dug out in uh-huh. the North English countryside, and now they're full of water, and they've got this green uh, type of vegetation floating on top so they can look just like flat ground that a child could run into yeah. and fall. Uh, so people came up with this story about this demoness who haunts the waters named Jenny Greenteeth who will pull the children in. Oh, my God. But that <laughs> but that gave us a good chance to t- – so we got – we love talking about like the – the folklore and the mythology there, yeah. but then we also got to talk about like uh, water to land attacks in biology, where mm-hmm. you've got like in uh, France there are these catfish that have adapted to jump out of the river and snag pigeons off the bank and pull <laughs> oh, wow. them in. Yeah, man. But then, but then also get into the uh, just the psychology of, of why we make up stories like that, or why those stories kind of emerge from uh, from human culture. Like why take something that is a a naturally occurring dangerous hazard yeah. and then put this additional layer of horrific fiction over it, a horrific folklore. Right. And then Man. give it to our children. That's and we, awesome. Yeah, and we've exactly. got great listeners. You know, they, they come up with great ideas in response to our episodes a lot. Uh-huh. I mean, one thing a lot of listeners have gotten in touch with us after the Jenny Greenteeth episode to say is, you know, it probably has something to do with the idea of the agency of the danger, where like a child being warned about, you know, there are pools out there you could yeah. fall in and drown. The kid's like, ah, who cares? Right. Yeah, you know, I'll be fine. <laughs> but Ginny Green <laughs> Right. You tell them that there's a monster that they have no control over. Like the monster, it's outside there. You know, they can't be too confident about what a monster could do to them. Right. So it's just sort of a mild form of psychological child abuse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and it can go too far. Like we talked about this one weird example I found from a journal in like the early modern England where there was like this girl who uh, who got some riding clothes dirty and she was afraid her parents would be mad at her. So what the historical records say is that she drowned herself in a pool thinking that she could come back as one of these water demonesses uh-huh. after she drowned there. That's awesome. Man, that's good <laughs> no, stuff. It's, that's not awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as a story. Yes. Or was that real? Uh, I mean, I, as far as I know, that's a true story. Yeah. Uh, well, then that's not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like cinematically, it's all, all of this uh, eventually manifested in um, Ridley Scott's legend that uh, Meg Mucklebone's character oh, that yeah, rises yeah. up to uh-huh. uh, threaten Tom Cruise at one point. That's yeah, yeah. essentially Meg Mucklebone. I mean, that's essentially uh, Jenny Greenteeth. Huh. So that's where that came from? I'm, I, I think I'm pretty positive. I, she's got to be a yeah. Jenny Greenteeth. Yeah. I mean, there are other characters like that. It's not just Jenny Greenteeth. There's a general sort of class of water demonesses that right. live around the world. Uh, <laughs> so she could be inspired by one of them. But yeah, I think it's got to be Jenny Greenteeth. Yeah, right? it has that, to be. Green that is skin. the most awesome monster. I love <laughs> Meg Mucklebones. Yeah, that was one of the questions I posed actually last week. We just did a bunch of uh, – I do a lot of on the mini crushes interaction with the with the Facebook group. And I was just like, what's your what's the scariest killer? What's the best weapon in horror movies? And we got a lot of, like, great responses. 
But no one said that one. Uh, that'd be, that's a good one. <laughs> well, Meg Mucklebones is a great example of something that comes up on our show all the time, which is like a monster that's better than the movie it's in. Yeah. 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 Like Legend is, uh, unfortunately, for it's all, all right. of its wonderful aesthetic qualities yeah. and the fact that it's got Tim Curry, just the best human to ever live. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's such a slog. Like, can you get through it? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. Well, then also that that monster in particular, it's not even – it's just a side quest yeah. that pops up. It, it's, it's kind of like the, the Boba Fett of that film where you, you, you right. see it, you're super into it, you just want more of this creature and then it's gone and doesn't come back. You see everybody? I told you. These guys. <laughs> what? If you want to listen to a science show and you like movies, these are the dudes. So, Joe, I have to sell uh, Noel out a little bit. He said um, last week that – that you guys were great to get in here because it'll be a little more deep into the horror canon and stuff that uh, not quite as mainstream. And he said that just get ready because Joe likes bad horror movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we both love bad horror movies. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. More and more it's the bad ones I think I'm drawn to. Uh-huh. And we've talked about this a fair amount. I feel like – I think – with a with a with a really solid horror film, it's doing all the thinking for you, which is great. Yeah. Um, at times, but if you have a, a horror film that's rougher around the edges, mm-hmm. maybe has some some long boring spells in there, it gives you time to think, and you're you're just kind of trying to to fix the film in your mind, right? And uh, uh, or or just creating you know, extra layers of meaning that were totally not intended to be there, and uh, I I enjoy that more and more these days. Well, what it's, I guess it's a little more participatory that way. Yeah, yeah. I well, just watched the uh, the first Halloween. Well, I saw the new Halloween. Uh, in Phoenix a couple of days ago. I haven't seen it yet, so don't spoil well, anything. I well, Michael gets a little stabby. I don't want to ruin <laughs> really? anything. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> he gets a little stabby. Um, but then last night, I was on West Coast time still, so I was kind of up late, and I queued up the original Halloween, and which I hadn't seen in a long, long time. So it was cool to see all the references, and um, the, the new one was a lot more referential to the first than I re- had remembered, but I was fine with it. I was, I've seen people kind of poke at that a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it's a great homage. It was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The original Halloween is – it's kind of unimpeachable. I mean, I love it. It uh, So you saw it for the first time on, like, a new, like, good TV, right? Would that be yeah. the case? Yeah, so, yeah, So, like, did you see for the first time that, like, oh, it's not actually autumn. This is, like, summertime in California <laughs> and everything's green. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And there are a few yeah. orange leaves scattered there's a palm, about. There's a palm tree here and there in the, uh-huh. like, deep background. Yeah. But I'm sort of used to, like, looking for L.A., in movies, uh, although it's not quite as bad, you know, these days because they don't film everything there. But, yeah, that's like Pasadena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that famous hedge, a friend of mine, um, or you guys might know Matt Gorley. He uh, does the James Bonding podcast and uh, another movie podcast called I Was There Too. And he, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah it's where he talks to uh, sort of like the fifth or sixth person on the call sheet <laughs> of famous movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has – He's a big Halloween guy and lived very close to that that street or the streets where they filmed that and took a you know great pictures at the famous hedge where you know Michael's standing there and then he's there one second and then behind the bush the next mm-hmm. and it's all it's all still there that's the stuff that makes the movie like oh, yeah. uh, the the best part of Halloween in my opinion is not actually like after the murders start it's all that stuff in the first half mm-hmm. where Jamie Lee Curtis is you know she's in school or she's at home looking out the window or something and yeah. you just see him for a second out there <sighs> and then he's gone and the way the way those shots interact with the music is just so perfect the music yeah. also makes that movie oh for sure 
Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite part about the about Halloween. Um, because I don't think it's really my favorite Carpenter film. It's probably not even like my top ten Carpenter films. <laughs> it's not even my favorite Halloween film. Oh yeah, <laughs> Halloween three. Yeah, yeah that's what that's what uh, Noel told me. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that one, so I know oh, that one doesn't feature Michael Myers, and it's no. about well, it does. He's on TV in it. There's the scene where characters are watching the original Halloween. Okay, so what's the deal though? It's about uh, a horror mask company. Yes, but also like a techno-pagan conspiracy yeah. with a kind of ambiguous uh, uh, goals in mind, yeah. uh, perhaps world domination, or maybe they just want to kill all the children. Maybe I should just explain <laughs> the plot to you. Yeah, okay, yeah. so uh, it's got the the old man from RoboCop. You remember Dan O'Herlihy? Yeah, He's the head sure. of the boardroom. Detroit has a cancer, and the yeah. cancer is crying. <laughs> yeah. That guy. So he runs a company that you find out over the course of the movie. You've got, uh, like, Tom Atkins and Stacey Nelkin. You know, Tom Atkins, like, masculine, kind of like strawberry blonde Burt Reynolds. Mm, I don't know. I, I would probably recognize him. He's in The Fog. Have you seen The Fog? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the, like, the stra- strawberry blonde mustache guy in The Fog. Okay, yeah, I know that Yeah, guy. so he plays, like, a beer-swilling surgeon with a nagging ex-wife. And uh, so he he ends up uh, going with this young lady to investigate the death of her father in this town in California. And the town is like this – it's this weird fascist town that's run by this company that makes Halloween masks that are enormously successful. And mm-hmm. like every shop in the country has got to have them. The kids are obsessed with them and they air these TV commercials that play this song over and over Robert, can you sing the song? Oh, it's well, yeah, it's Happy, Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Yeah. To the tune of London Bridge. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, it's, once the movie's over, you will be singing it for <laughs> years. And uh, so they find out in the end that Dan O'Herlihy's goal is to. Oh, 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 you skipped over something really important, and that's the fact that there are androids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's part <laughs> yeah. of Yeah. Uh, Dan O'Herlihy, he's got a factory full of, like, uh, like thugs that are androids in. in Three-piece suits. What? And, yeah, and they they run around killing people all wow. to service his ultimate goal of giving Halloween masks out to children everywhere so that when the Halloween masks are activated by the television commercial, uh-huh. a microchip made of a piece of Stonehenge that's inside <laughs> the, the mask. Uh, did I say map a minute ago? I think I meant mask. Uh-huh. Uh, a piece of... Stonehenge microchip inside the mask turns oh, into man. a laser that shoots the child's head and turns the head into crickets and snakes. And that's, what? that's his plan. Wow. I did not. I mean, I knew it was loosely about uh, masks that did things, but I had no idea. One of the the best things about it, though, is, is so John Carpenter did not direct this. Okay, but, Noel said he did, and I didn't think that was right. No, yeah, that's it, wrong. Uh, I can't remember the, who directed it off. Tommy hand. Lee Wallace, Tommy the director Wallace? of the It miniseries yes, with, with right. Tim Curry. Oh, okay. But the the soundtrack was John Carpenter and Alan Howarth, and right. in my opinion, it's it's probably the best Carpenter Howarth soundtrack. It's oh wow, it's just I mean, it's just. It's 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 Halloween to the max. It's it's everything that you you, you like in other Carpenter soundtracks, except somehow just more electric. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I put that one like score wise right at the top. I love it. I listen to that soundtrack all the time. Wow. And do you know the origin of the theme song for your show, the show we're on right now? No. <laughs> I think Noel made it inspired by a track I sent him from the Halloween Three soundtrack. Well. All right, that all makes sense then because I told I told Noel when I was commissioning that piece, <laughs> I was like, I want something sort of 80s and synthy, and I referenced Carpenter, and I was like, and just go wild. So 
this is specifically Halloween three inspired? Yeah, which, I, which I mean, track? I think so. Was it Chariots of Pumpkins? I think it's Chariots of Pumpkins. Yeah. I okay. think he was like, you know, what's name of the I, yeah. I sent him a Chariots of Pumpkins <laughs> link, and I was like, use this as your jumping off point. Wow, man, I didn't know that. Uh, thanks for that. Then <laughs> I didn't know you influenced the uh, movie crush so much. Well, we, we'll hear we'll hear what he says. He could be he could dispute me, but I think <laughs> this is the case. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee. Sounds perfect. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. All right, so uh, I threw some questions out at you guys, and we've already talked a little bit about the first one, but I'm curious about mainstream or what you would consider mainstream horror filmmakers and or movies and kind of what what some of your favorites are. I, I have to go with John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, he is the master. I mean, it's hard to say when you're in the horror world, I don't know what actually counts as mainstream. Right. Because there's stuff that like everybody who's into horror knows about, but the people who aren't into horror probably don't know about it all. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's mainstream or not. I'm probably uh, asking the wrong guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, as far as like definitely mainstream directors, I, I couldn't I couldn't say other than Carpenter. I mean, Carpenter's made so many wonderful films. And also going back to what we started on earlier, he, he's made some great bad films. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. uh, like if you've ever seen Ghosts of Mars, that just hits all <laughs> I never of saw the that. bad movie notes. I mean, it's the kind of movie that you get the feeling they did not work over the texture of how the lines would sound when spoken by actors. Right. So they they try to replicate the character of Snake Plissken from Escape uh -huh. from New York uh, by having a character named Desolation Williams. <laughs> and, he goes, and characters actually like go around calling him. It's like, hey, Desolation. 
played by Ice Cube, by oh, the way. Was it Ice Cube? Really? Yeah. They don't even call him Des? No, they, uh, well, maybe they do eventually, but at least at some point they're calling it, it's like, what's up, Desolation? That's weird. Yeah. There's so many great elements in that film, though, even though the the finish, the, the final product doesn't really come together because you have a pretty good cast. Like mm-hmm. You got, again, Ice Cube, you got... Uh, uh, Wait. Isn't Sinise in that one? Or is he? Gary Sinise? Or am I thinking of um, a different one? That could be. That Jason. might be Mission to Mars. Yeah, it, yeah that, he's in that. But this has Jason Statham. Oh, Jason Statham. Uh, Pam Greer. Pam Greer's yeah. in it. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's it's not good. I mean, I don't know if you should see it if you're not into, like, really bad horror movies. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, so there's that end of the spectrum. That's Carpenter in the, what, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. But early Carpenter is, just cannot be beat. And I love his weirder movies that a lot of people don't like. Our producer Ramsey here, I know I lent him my copy of Prince of Darkness, and uh-huh. I think he was not into it. But uh, <laughs> He gave us a, a middle road oh, okay. signal. Well, I, I love Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter. Have you seen that one? I haven't. I can picture the cover in my in my head of the or the poster. Green, yes. like stretchy yep. face. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't see that one. You should check it out. I mean – I can't promise you'll like it, but if you like uh, very weird, bonkers, original plot, I can't think of another movie that's got a story like it where there's this whole thing about quantum physics and about the anti-god and like the devil being a part of of physics. It's crazy. Yeah, it it, it does play nicely with some – I mean I wouldn't call it like a sciencey horror film, but it it uses some science set pieces uh, rather effectively. I mean the science is not like accurate, but well in a way it's more accurate than most movies that do. Yeah. That's all, physics, it's but, all I asked for from yeah. the horror films. Is like They just give it lip service. You yeah. Know? That's nice. Uh, but yeah, it, I, it's a lot of fun. And it's actually got some really scary parts, I think. It's got this really cool dream sequence mm-hmm. where like you, there's this garbled message that keeps coming through to people in dreams. Yeah, yeah because it's a f- the people in the future are communicating with people in the past through their dreams. Oh, and okay. transmission but with tachyons or something. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And it's got, it's got <laughs> Donald Pleasance, of course. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. He, when he turns up, you know, you're in for uh, you're in for something special. Victor Wong is in that one yes, too. Yes, yes. Uh, most mostly known as uh, Egg Shin and Big Trouble in yeah, China. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah he is. He, he plays, plays like an old physics professor, professor in it, and he's just wonderful. So, uh, what all did he make that was horror? I mean, yeah, I mean, The Thing and Halloween. Mm-hmm. Prince uh, of Darkness. W- yeah. One of my favorites, like later day Carpenter, is uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is uh, sort of a Lovecraftian-themed uh, picture. has uh, starts Sam Neill. Yeah. Has, uh, we had people recommend it on Facebook last week. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed it. That's one I, 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 I can watch again and again and find something new in. In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. I need to... I, I like horror movies, guys, but I was telling Noel, like, if, if my wife was more into it, I would watch more, but she's not. Oh. And so it's just one of those things where, like, I got to go off by myself and do it, which is fine. But every time I watch a good horror movie, it really, like, it's kind of like no other genre as far as, like, it makes me feel like I should watch more horror movies. But your wife won't watch horror movies. No, nah, she's not into it. But, uh, and again, I told Noel she, she wants to know what happens. Like, <laughs> I came back from Hereditary, and I was like, this movie fucking blew my mind. Oh, it's so good. And it was, like, one of the scariest things I've ever seen and unsettling. And she was like, well, tell me about it. And I was like, well, do you want to see it? She was like, I don't think so, but tell me, tell me like the whole thing. Have you ever tried getting her up to speed with uh, like ramping up through bad horror movies? You start that way. They're funny, right? You know, you get used to horror in a funny setting. (laughs) Nah, I see what you mean, but 
she wouldn't be into that. See, I have a similar thing uh, with with my wife. Uh, I, I I've spent I think three years trying to get her to watch It Follows with me because when it came out, yeah, I, I saw thought that's it. one Emily might like. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it it has. I mean, it's so well shot, uh-huh. well acted. It's not gratuitous. Uh, totally um, agree. And yeah. uh, and so, it, but it took three years <laughs> to get to that point when she like finally watched it with me. Did uh, she like last it? Week. She loved it. Yeah. All right. Does she like horror movies at all normally? Um. Sometimes I guess she she doesn't. I don't think she likes being like creeped out by a film. Right. Yeah. See, Emily just gets really like it. It stays with her, and you know she gets scared in the house. Mm-hmm. And I gotta admit, man, last night after Halloween, it was I think one in the morning when it was over. I go down. We're in this uh, rental house right now because we're renovating our house, so we had to completely move out. And it's in the woods, and it's got glass everywhere, and it's cool. But uh, and I'm not one to usually get freaked out, but I have to admit, last night uh, when I let my dogs out at one in the morning, I was, you know, I saw my reflection, and I kind of went, "Oh, okay, that's just me." <laughs> and one of the dogs barked really loudly, and that scared me. Mm-hmm. So it definitely like I'm not too ashamed to admit it. It gets into me as well. Well, it sounds like a setup for a horror movie. Oh, totally. Podcast rental house, uh, <laughs> right. rental house. Yeah, It'd walking f- around glass everywhere. Found audio horror movie. Has right. anybody done that yet? <laughs> no, but it's well. Uh, this doesn't ruin anything. But the new Halloween, uh, the couple of the characters are podcasters. Which oh, oh yeah, very funny. Do they like knife some true crime <laughs> podcasters? Everybody's been waiting for that. So, did movies stay with you guys like that? Like, do you get freaked out and? To me, that's part of the fun of it is to that adrenaline, you know, whatever. You guys probably know the science of it a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say in some cases, it's generally not what I want from my horror films. Like uh-huh. I, I want to be, uh, you know, sort of creatively engaged with it or, you know, just kind of taken away. Like I don't want to be me when I'm watching the horror film. Yeah. Uh, and then afterwards, I'd, I'd rather just sort of uh, go out thinking about the, the, the ideas that it gave me. Uh-huh. But uh, but there is something kind of thrilling about like suddenly being afraid in your house, <laughs> because, but, but yeah. not because of like uh, like natural threats, but because the thing from it follows might right. come in. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I like being scared by horror movies, and I am sometimes. Uh-huh. I mean, I've I've watched so many of them. I've gotten a little immune to, especially like the the very conventional types of scares that you see over and over. Sure. Like a mirror scare can't get me anymore right. because I've seen it a million times. You know, where the, so they're in the medicine cabinet yeah. and then they close it, and uh-huh. the mirror's there, and there's something, some boogans behind them. Yeah, yeah, and Great then, trope. yeah, it's in every horror movie, and that just can't scare me anymore because I'm watching for it anytime anybody's in a medicine right. cabinet. It can't surprise me, um, and I'm just like, oh, okay. But I, yeah, a lot of like Hereditary. Really, I after it was over, well, I felt this weird mix of of being having been terrified by the movie. But also, I was in the theater by myself, and I was just looking around at people with my mouth open, right. like, like, did you see that too? Wow. Yeah. And there is a weird kind of way. I don't want to spoil anything about Hereditary, but the end of that movie is not just scary, but it, it, it transforms into mm-hmm. this kind of beautiful, transcendent thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the end of The Witch, too. Yes. Oh, The Witch is one of my favorite recent horror movies. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I have this weird reaction, and Nolan and I uh, – did a little review of Hereditary, and uh, I, I think it's probably the human can, body, like, trying to protect itself. But in a movie like Hereditary, when I am curled up in my seat with my fists clenched mm-hmm. so just tight, like, that's my move, um, I laugh sometimes at something that's so off the charts, mm-hmm. fucked up and scary. 
I find myself kind of laughing. And part of it is, I think, self-protection and preservation. And part of it is, man, like, what a great idea mm-hmm. as a filmmaker. And uh, I don't know what that is. You, you the, know the laughing? I, yeah. Well, we actually, uh, it may have been. Uh, it was you and Christian. Me and Christian did an episode on this maybe last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. I think it was last October. And it was, it's, it was titled, like, Why Do We Laugh at Horror Films? Oh, okay. And there are, I think, a few different ideas there. But one of them is that that laugh, like, when you're scared. Uh, and then you are not killed by something, mm-hmm. the laughter is kind of like an immediate signal to other humans to let everybody know, hey, I'm not dead. Hey, there's not really a threat. You know, when I screamed and jumped wow. earlier, everybody can calm down because there's not a killer in the house. Okay. Do you ever uh, hurt yourself at home? Like you stub your toe uh-huh. and you scream or something like that, and then people, somebody's like, oh, is everything okay? And then what do you do? You start laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like, okay, we're coming down now. Everything's all right. Right. Or you, Depends how hard you stub your toe. I'm I'm more liable to like double down and say no. I'm not, I'm not okay. okay. Yeah, well, that's the coffee true table's too. fault. Yeah, they got me. Man, that's good stuff. I mean, that goes. That's got to go back to like cavemen sitting around the fire oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I, I think it it does just predate language. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, I mean, one of the things I love most about horror movies is not just the feeling of being scared. You know, that raw sort of body physiological feeling, but I think that. Fear is maybe the most revealing emotion in Mm -hmm. multiple ways. It's like, you know how you go throughout your life, you've always got these sort of layers of performance up. You've got like how you are during a job interview. And that's not really you. And then you've got how you are around your friends. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a little bit more really you. And then there's how you are at home with your like very close trusted loved ones and all that. And then under that, I think, is how you are when you're scared. Yeah. That's like baseline. Absolutely. Who you really are that even you don't really know. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and that when you get scared, that part of you comes out and you get to see what it's like. Uh-huh. You get to see, like, where your mind goes when uh, when all of those layers are removed. Yeah. And it's so it's interesting in that way. Like, you get to see your own reaction uh, through fear. But you also get to see what other people think is scary. Right. You know, so one of my favorite things about bad horror movies is that they're – I think one of the most culturally interesting types of artifacts mm-hmm. is like you get to see what other people out there in the culture think would be scary right. or what preoccupies them when their minds start going to a dark place. Yeah. And, and in that way, even when the movies are bad, they're usually very culturally and psychologically interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's been pointed out that a lot of times it's when you have some sort of uh, cultural shift going on, uh, it's not the the art films that are necessarily going to be the first ones to jump in right. and try to tell a story about it. No, it's going to be the exploitation uh, filmmakers. It's yeah. going to be the horror films and the B-movies. The yeah. lowest of lowbrow gets there first, yeah. and they show you what they're worried about. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, when, when you started talking about the reaction, I immediately thought of the – that sort of uh, thing that went around the internet when when peop- they had the photos of people in the haunted house, those great reaction shots, and you know, th- like the toughest dudes in the world, right? Just looking like little babies, and uh-huh. it is—it's so revealing because it just strips away everything, all the ego and everything, and and that that's kind of a horror movie trope too. Like when there's the group of teenagers in the woods, like how are they all going to react? Who is Who's going to be living at the end? Who's going to pee their pants? Right. I mean, so one of you asked us about uh, horror movie tropes earlier. And sure. One of the funniest ones that I think shows up, especially in slasher movies like the early 80s slasher mm-hmm. wave, is you've got – I don't know if 
this is the right term. I'd call them something like focus group friends, uh-huh. where there's a group of friends <laughs> yeah. that they're they're. Why would these people ever hang out with each <laughs> yeah, other? It's like sure. one jock, one nerd, uh-huh. one punk rocker, yeah. one stuck up rich girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's like these people would never naturally be friends or hang out together, but those that's the group that went up to the cabin for the weekend. Yeah, and I think it's because. There's this natural curiosity, especially in the slasher movies, which are less about being scary and more about a kind of like geeky curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like, what would it look like if you got an axe in your face? And so there's that curiosity element. And you're trying to see like how would these different archetypes, these Uh different types of people react in a fear scenario? That's what people want to see. Yeah, like how would I I react? And so – I'm more like the nerd or I'm more like the jock. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's a a good insight. That was one of the great uh, questions that – a Facebooker threw at us last week was, would you guys survive a horror movie? <laughs> and um, I said I would because I was like, I'm old and chubby, but man, I've had an amazing fight or flight response. So <laughs> well, I, I thought you were going to say because I'm a virgin. No, yeah. <laughs> I could, I can get moving if I need to. And I would try and out crazy somebody with physical violence. <laughs> you know, yeah. this comes to, back to though to something that that we were just talking about on on the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, it, and it comes back to what you said earlier about how we're a whole different person when we're afraid. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this this idea that we have. Uh, essentially two fear networks in our brain. Mm-hmm. One is the, the, the planning network. You right. know? We're thinking about what would it, what would it be like uh, if uh, – well, or more to the point, it would be like what are, the, what are the things that might happen to me and what can I do now to prevent them? Right. And then the other is the real-time like, uh, unconscious reaction uh-huh. to uh, events. And like you said, we don't really know that person all that well. And I wonder if a lot of times we watch these horror movies to kind of – yeah, to, to kind of guess how we might respond, just to look at these archetypes and see how they respond, and also to sort of cling on to ones right. as like the hopeful model for how we will yeah. respond when the bad things happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When I was a kid, I think everyone probably – some people still do this. I know Emily does. But anytime I was in a room, like if uh, staying with someone or my own house, I would always be like fire poker. Like I would <laughs> yep. always have yep. the thing in the room – of like that's what I would run for mm-hmm. and grab, uh, you know, to defend myself. And I don't do that anymore, which is weird. I don't. I don't think I've gotten any braver. Yeah. Or or do you smart, just carry a fire poker to your all fate? the time? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I do know where the various. You know, we have no weapons in our house other than like the golf club or something. But um, I don't know. I don't think about it as much. But Emily is still all about that. Like if she we, – we stayed at these friends in uh, Napa Valley one time a few years ago and they live like at the top of this mountain in the woods and it's idyllic and beautiful and the safest place on earth <laughs> and they don't lock their doors. They didn't even have a lock in their little guest house and that freaked her out so much. She was like, I was awake all night. Oh, no. It's like, Emily, we're in Napa Valley in the middle of the woods. She was like, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's where it happens. And so she had her weapons picked out and, you know, that vase is what I would grab and throw. And so she's always ready. Yeah. Rural California. That's where uh, Dan O'Herlihy's androids come for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Or the Golden State Killer. Ooh. Or Zodiac. Yeah, what am I talking about? (laughs) Um, So what about – I know uh, people would love to hear some deep cuts from you guys, uh, movie-wise. Um, well, I think I already did Halloween 3. Yeah, that's got to be Yeah, but I mean, that's even – that was mainstream enough to be like a major release. Like, what are your favorite really like kind of hard-to-find 
out there deep cut horror films? Well, uh, one that, that I'm really fond of is a, a 1986 film called uh, Terror Vision. <laughs> never, I don't know if you guys have seen this one. It. Uh, it's directed by is this, this the guy. the rock and uh, roll one? Um, it has some rock elements to it. <laughs> uh, it so it's, it's, I think it's out on like Amazon Prime right now. I think everybody can, can stream it. But it, it has this uh, kind of gonzo, neon 80s vibe to it. Uh-huh. And the plot, as I recall, is that you have this trash compactor kind of blob, shogoth <laughs> kind of monster mm. that escapes from aliens and like ventures into the, to these people's house uh, via satellite TV yeah. and starts messing with them and shape-shifting. And it's, it's just the right balance of like fun and, um, and a little bit trashy, but not too yeah. trashy. And uh, and has fabulous monster effects. It's God. It's 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 one is one of the the films that I I didn't see like back in the day, and I discovered it for myself in recent years. And it's probably right up there at the top in terms of films that I think really need more like of a cult following, uh-huh. more attention. Terror Vision. Terror Vision. All right, that's on the list. You know, I'm probably going to spend too much of this podcast talking about Halloween like, three bad, yeah, movie, <laughs> bad horror movies that are funny. So I want to actually focus on one that I think is really good and subtle and scary. Uh-huh. Uh, that I think is I don't I've never heard of anybody else other than my friend who recommended it to me. Knowing of this one, have, have you heard of a little Australian movie called Lake Mungo? Nope. I think it's Mungo. from like well, it's from like 2007 or so, somewhere in like mid 2000s. And it is sort of the the found footage. No, it's not found footage style. It's documentary style. Mm-hmm. So it's filmed as if it's a documentary, but it's fictional. Um, and it's basically just a documentary about a, a family that dealt with the death in the family. And it turns into this ghost story that is – it's not going to have, you know, horrifying boo scares or anything like mm-hmm. that. It just has some really subtle documentary style ghost imagery that absolutely got under my skin. Yeah. After the first time I saw it, I was like alone in the house uh-huh. and I, I couldn't stand it. I right. was so scared. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, stick around for the end credits of that movie, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but so it, I think the director has only made that movie and hasn't really done much of anything else. So, I, yeah, I just wonder what happens with people like that. Yeah, but, I thought you were going to say Wolf Creek for a minute when you said no, no, Australian. No. no. Um, that was good, though. I liked Wolf Creek. I haven't seen it. That's the more like of a – that's like a murder movie, right? Yeah, but those are the scariest ones to me. Like, I don't know what's like legit scares you guys, but ghosts. Oh, really? Yeah, ghosts. Really? Yeah, since yeah. I was a kid, it was always a, something that could really happen, like a dude breaking well, into yeah. our home and oh, killing that's, us. Oh, those are, the, like, those are the, the horror films I, I just will not see. Like, I don't, I do not want to see a home invasion horror film at this point in my life. Those are Wait tough, a minute. man. You, you, yeah. like, you like slasher movies sometimes. I like, well, Wait, well I like, you like the bad ones. I like some bad slasher movies and really, like to really define like my taste in slasher movies, my favorite Friday the Thirteenth is Jason X, where he's in outer space. <laughs> yeah, hey, I never saw that one. That's that's the best. <laughs> Didn't make it to the tenth in the series. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many of those I saw. Just a couple. I, I mean, I'm, I don't go super deep. So, <laughs> so ten, huh? Outer space. Yeah, yeah. Outer space is. It's you know, Jason is safely removed from me, uh, even more so than being at a summer camp. Uh, yeah, I just I'm not. But into real that. home invasion. Like the strangers or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I just, I just I've don't. Never seen that one. I don't have that any interest in seeing that. I'm like, I'm sure it looks. There is a few, a few of those that you know people love them. They, they look like they're tremendously well made. Yeah. but it's just, it's just 
too real. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's why it scares me. So let's unpack the ghost thing. Yeah. What's what's up with that? I don't know. I just find ghosts the most frightening. I mean, I've seen a million vampire movies, and I really love some of them. I, I can think of fantastic vampire movies. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Kronos. That's mm-hmm. a wonderful. Have you seen that one? Yeah. yeah it's so good. Uh, but vampires just never scare me. Right. Same here. Uh, same thing. You know, werewolves. I love some werewolf movies. Mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London is yeah. fantastic. Uh, but it's it's just like a big dog, you know. It's just not that scary right. to me. For some reason, ghosts that really gets to me. It's uh-huh. something about um, it's something about. I think it's their non corporeality mm-hmm. that makes them especially scary because when you've got a vampire or any kind of physical monster, though I I generally love physical monsters, you think like, okay, I could run away from that. I could fight it, whatever. When there's a ghost, it's like you don't know what the rules are and you don't know how it gets to you. And it it feels like a different level of conflict that you don't really understand. Right. You You can't club it. Right. With a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And it also – but ghosts also – they generally are not just like out looking for somebody to eat, right? Ghost mm-hmm. stories <laughs> almost always have that, like some kind of involvement with the victim. The victim usually has some kind of like guilty conscience about something or – you know what I mean? Like right. there's some kind of moral involvement with the ghost. Right, right, right. Or it's uh, – or they just want you to get the fuck out of there. Yes, that's a very house. Well, and, the, and that's one of those types of conflicts, right? Like you're in their territory, you moved in, and they want it. Yeah, that, that's what I think. I tend to see more often. It's just like the idea that oh, now I messed, I've, I've, I've somehow messed up. Now I'm involved with a ghost, mm-hmm. and there's no way out of it. Like it, it doesn't. I, I don't know. I'm thinking of things like The Ring, yeah. um, Oculus, Poltergeist. Like they were all kind of. I like enjoy all of those. Wrong people. I mean, or the people in the wrong place at the wrong time, right. and then they have to deal with this thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, with all of those movies, uh, it's that you don't really know the rules, right? You sure. don't understand when you're incurring the wrath of this ghostly other force. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess on all of those, it's like with Mirrors and Oculus, which was, uh, what's that guy's name? Flanagan? Mike Flanagan, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah. The same guy who did the Hill House show that's on Netflix right now. Okay. I haven't Re- watched really that yet. I haven't seen that yet. Is it good? Movie. It's good. It's a huge downer, but it's really what good. What the show is? Uh, no, no, um, Oculus is. Oh, okay. Um, I, I love it, but it's it's a really depressing horror film. Um, I have not seen the TV series yet. I haven't either, have you? No, I haven't. I've heard good uh, things. No, I've heard – well, I, I just for the first time earlier this year read Shirley Jackson's mm-hmm. uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is just a fantastic ghost novel. Have yeah. You, have you ever read it? No, no. It's so great because it's genuinely very scary, I think, you know, written in the 50s and uh-huh. still scary – or 50s or 60s, whichever. Uh, still scary but also very funny. Uh-huh. And that's a thing that I think I really appreciate when a horror movie can do when they give you the hot and cold showers. Where Absolutely. Where it is both – it has scenes that are totally comfortable comfortable and warm and mm-hmm. funny and make you feel good. And that sets you up even more for, for the great scary scenes. Yeah. Movies that just go to 11 on discomfort and, mm-hmm. and terror the whole time, th- those get monotonous. They're usually yeah. not very good. Yeah. I think I kind of agree with that. Uh, I, this, one thing that comes to mind here, you said that you, with the ghosts, you don't know what the rules are. Yeah. That's like the scary part. It does seem like with some of these movies – Okay, haunted mirrors. We, no, most people really don't 
actually understand how mirrors work, and therefore right. it's terrifying. Yeah. With haunted house movies, especially poltergeist, mm-hmm. like home ownership, nobody really has that down. <laughs> right. And therefore, like the ghosts are the perfect uh, metaphor for it. They're a metaphor yeah. for the renovators who came in before they flipped the house right. on you. Yeah, and you get to find out all the stuff that they cut corners on over time. Well, and a lot of times that's a big part of uh, a horror film is figuring out the rules yeah. as the characters. Like with It Follows, yeah, that was a big part of that movie was – is especially for that one because it was unseen. Yeah. And uh, I think I need to see that one again. Oh, man. I could watch yeah, that so one good. so many times. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most original horror mythologies I can think of. It's hard to do that nowadays, too. It's hard to come up with original stuff. Yeah. It, it artfully uh, allows room for contemplation. Like, it, it forces you to think, well, well, what actually happened with this scene that, you know, like, what, what happened when she went out to the boat? What, right. What happened when this character is driving through this bad part of town towards the end of the film? Whereas, like, a lesser movie, a, a, a really bad horror film, will have those kind of gaps uh, due to negligence. Right. Uh, whereas here, they're they're part of, of the design. And yeah, it works yeah. perfectly. Yeah, that was a good one. Nolan and I were talking about, too, how the uh, the setting of that movie, the time, mm-hmm. uh, was sort of, it was weird because it felt like the 80s. But also now. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was kind of cool how they did that. Well, they got that uh, that 80s, like, Spielbergia, kids on bikes uh-huh. in a neighborhood kind of thing. Uh, yeah. They had that going on. And so that definitely took you back to the 80s, even though it seemed like the technology was more... Like, there were cell phones in it, right? It has weird technology in it because yeah. they're using flip phones and then somebody has, like, a, a clamshell e-reader that yes. doesn't actually exist. I yeah, they made that for yeah. the movie, yeah. And uh, Noel's uh, contention, I think I agree with him, is just that all of that kind of unsettles you mm-hmm. as a viewer because it kind of throws you off because you don't even know when it takes place. Yeah. And that's just sort of an unsettling feeling in itself. The, you know, just the thing I was talking about with the hot and cold showers, uh-huh. uh, It Follows does that naturally because every time they gain distance from the thing, it's walking so they know they've bought some time and they can right. rest for a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect mythology for that kind of structure in a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, if there aren't um, peaks and valleys mm-hmm. and te- relief of tension, uh Although a movie like Hereditary was a pretty good example of there weren't a lot of funny bits in that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any. Were there? Uh, there were a That was couple. fairly taut. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't very funny, but it did have like moments where you could rest. You yeah. Know? It wasn't just terror and discomfort the entire time. Like there were – uh, the initial times that uh, you know Tony Collette met the other woman, and before that turns, yeah, that's true. I don't want to spoil anything, but well, yeah. we already reviewed it on the show. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it, it, the, the trailers don't make it look tremendously funny. No, it's <laughs> not, not a funny. Lot of gags. <laughs> <laughs> There's there 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 are low stress moments in it. Yeah, but that's one of the great parts about, and it's a certain kind of horror movie where if you have a legitimate comedy written in. It's always welcome for me. And the new Halloween has some funny bits. Yeah. And, uh, of course, like the great uh, Sam Raimi and all of his movies. uh, Well, Army of Darkness, actually. That was probably a full-on comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think there was much horror in that. Although those creatures are still pretty frightening. Oh, indeed. Yeah. I'd almost just say Evil Dead 2 is a comedy. Would you not? Yeah, I mean, someone put that on the Facebook list as their favorite horror movie, and I did pose that question. I was like, "Is he?" I mean, it is horror, but um, not like the the first one. The first one was definitely uh, way more horror, I think, than comedy. But he always has struck that balance really well, I think. 
Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee. Sounds perfect. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. All right, guys. So let's, um, I mean, what's your all-time favorite horror movie? Do you have one? Who? uh, man, that's hard to say. I... I'm a big fan of Jaws, but I don't know if you consider that a horror movie. Um, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, more of that's an adventure movie buster. to me. Uh, I mean, I watch that every year. But it's uh, one right, of my favorite movies. Every summer on on the 4th of July, Rachel and I watch Jaws. We like fall asleep to it at the oh, end man. of the night. So great. Uh, it's it's kind of perfect. And now, that movie's too fun yeah. to me to be a horror movie. But it is a great monster movie. Sure. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a horror movie. I'm really bad at all time favorites. I, yeah. I whenever somebody asks me that, I just have to like list things that pop to mind. Yeah, that just I, I like mean a lot. But I mean, talk about any of your favorites. But I mean, recent movies. Uh, I, I definitely think of The Witch. I think of yeah. The Babadook. I think of Oh uh, yeah, that was great. Oh, so good. Uh-huh. See, now that's an example of a film. I everybody said it was great, and I sat down to watch it, and it was. I, I think this was not long after um, uh, 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 we got our son. And I was just like, no, I can't do this. Uh, mm-hmm. not, I just can't watch a, a haunted film with some sort of a child element in it. Yeah. Well, I've heard that about people. Like sometimes having kids changes what kind of horror movies they can enjoy. They ruin everything. Really? <laughs> kids do, yeah. Yeah. You can't enjoy anything you used to enjoy. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm with you though uh, for sure. Like in any any stuff involving kids mm-hmm. now is, is like tough for me. For well, sure. You know, uh, Gene Siskel used to – I know you do the, you know, what did Ebert say? Yeah. And Gene Siskel used to always complain about that. Like when they were re- reviewing movies on uh, Siskel and Ebert, any time there was a movie that put a child at, per- at peril, uh-huh. he would massively penalize the movie for it. Yeah. Like sometimes it seemed like that would be the sole criterion that, that drove him to a thumbs down for a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I get he, that. He hated it. 
What about you, Robert? Do you have an all-time favorite? Or Yeah, it has to be hands down the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like it, even though, yeah, it's uh, it's not supernatural. It doesn't have uh, monsters. And gen- uh-huh. generally my thing is, is monsters. But just the, it feels like a, a really almost kind of a perfect storm of elements. Like yeah. you, you have that kind of grimy late 70s yeah. documentary feel, uh, this rural setting, mm-hmm. and this sense of like, I mean, the opening with the, the solar flares, everything just feels like cosmically misaligned. Uh, yeah, I, that's one that I, I feel is just great from beginning to end. Yeah, uh, there's something about uh, just like a fucked up hillbilly yeah, yeah. crew and well, family it, that's like mm-hmm. – I, I know it's terrible to because uh, it just identifies like one segment of the population and saying, you people are creepy. But wait, no, it's flatlands in Texas, so it would be it'd be uh, flatbillies, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, flatbillies, not hillbillies. Oh, <laughs> Is that a word, idea. flatbillies? No, I just okay. made that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we might can make, go wide with that one. That's good. The Texas hillbilly <laughs> chainsaw family, flat the flatbillies. Well, and just uh, for sheer sound design, I pointed out last week when they were talking about the best murder weapons, um, it's hard to beat that chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just so loud and uh, – just terrifying. Yeah. Even though it's not a good murder weapon. Oh no, not at all. Uh, in reality. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the whole thought like, about this. That's unwieldy. Up. Yeah. You got to count on it to start. Well, uh, I know. I know. Noel was re- a big fan of um, Panos Cosmatos as uh, um, uh, Mandy as well. Have you? Yeah, seen Yeah, I this? haven't seen it yet. I'm, I can't wait. I've well, there's, there's a there it's is great. a scene where a character is is going to sneak up on somebody with a chainsaw, and they're <laughs> <Right>. like they're like <laughs> starting it <laughs> up. And yeah, it, it's a sound. Yeah, sound design wise, it's it's great, but of course, it's totally impractical. Yeah, there's no. I mean, if it doesn't start, you're just stuck with this heavy thing. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess you could try and hit someone with it, <laughs> but it's too heavy to even swing. Really. Yeah. Uh, a knife for me is the scariest shit. There's something about being yeah. stabbed in a kitchen knife that's just terrifying. Another recent favorite I thought of. Have you seen uh, House of the Devil, Ty West, House of the Devil? From yes. From like 2000, I think, eight or nine, sometime around there. Yep. I thought that one was just killer, slow burn, uh-huh. long, slow build. I like movies like that. I mean, Lake Mungo is like that, too, uh-huh. where, where there's a, just a slow, oh, yeah, steady that's, building that's my of favorite tension. Thing too. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was good. That had uh, unrecognizable to me, but um, what's the actress that uh, from Top Gun? Oh, uh, yeah. What is her name? Um, there was a woman Kelly in Top Gun? Something? I don't remember. Yeah, remember the love interest in oh. Top Gun. Oh, wait, she's in that? You thought it was just all homoerotic tension. That's what. I, that's the only thing I remember. Goose was Goose in House of the Devil. <laughs> no, the lady uh, Iceman. I can't remember her name, but she's she's the the old lady in that movie. Um, Mary Waranos. No, am I thinking of the right movie? You might be thinking of the wrong movie. I think the. I'm gonna look. I think the old lady in House of the Devil is uh, the lady who is in like uh, Eating Raoul and the uh, beginning of Chopping Mall. Which, oh, have you Chopping seen Chopping Mall. Mall? No. Oh, that one's so good. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it's an 80s technology gone amok movie where they've got robots that are supposed to be these security droids <laughs> to defend a mall. And, of course, some horny teenagers stay over overnight mm-hmm. to hang out and party in the furniture store. But then all of the security droids uh, attack. And right. It, yeah, it's pretty great. So I was thinking of the innkeepers. Oh, that was great, too. Yeah, that's the one I was that's thinking of. That's also Ty West. I, yeah, They're I both did, Ty West movies. I did not see House of the Devil. Oh, you should see House of the Devil, man. And Kelly McGillis from Top Gun oh, is okay. the creepy old lady in Kelly the Keepers. Okay. D- did I get the other lady's name right? Mary Waranov, I think maybe it is. Oh, okay. All right. So I need to see House of the Devil then. Yeah, and it's got it's got uh, 
oh, what's his name? Uh, from um, from Manhunter and uh, Tom Noonan. Oh, oh, yeah. Tom sure. Noonan, one of like, the great movie creeps of all time, the creepiest mm-hmm. dude ever. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know anything about Tom Noonan personally, but I always feel bad because I bet he's just the sweetest guy on earth. Yeah, but he he is the creepiest human ever born. Yeah, but you know what? When you're born with a face like that, like you're making money off of it. Mm-hmm. It's like the guy who played uh, Buffalo Bill. Oh God! Just, he's been in so many things, and mm-hmm. he, he's always Buffalo Bill to me. <laughs> he uh, bad for him, but he was in that uh, that that remake of The Hills Have Eyes, and he plays yeah. the, the dad, and he's great in that. Like that's a one of these revenge films where um, there's so much care put into the beginning of it. Yeah. You end up falling in love with these characters to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and then you really don't want anything terrible to happen to it. But right. it was so weird to just totally buy into him as just this dad. Boy, talk about the character, though. The Hills Have Eyes, that guy. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean. You know, what, what's <laughs> his name? Uh, Berryman? Talk- yes, Michael Berryman. Yeah. yeah. Not John Berryman. Who's that? <laughs> the poet, John Berryman. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. All right. My <laughs> Michael Berryman's the only Berryman for me. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we have to finish up, but I don't feel like we're done. So I would like to do this again. Can yeah. we? I'd love yeah, that. I'd love I think to. maybe we can do a part three <laughs> and uh, nudge this into November a little bit because uh-huh. I feel like we're almost – I feel like we're kind of halfway done with this conversation. I, I am – I would love to come back anytime, Chuck. This All right. Well, fun. let's do it like in the next couple of weeks and go ahead and get it out there because – uh, I didn't start early enough in October for all these horror specials. Well, and plus, all, I mean, all the other big holidays are all about nudging in on on uh, Halloween's time. So I think Halloween should yeah. get to have at least the first half of November. <laughs> okay, they're selling Christmas stuff in October. Yeah. We get to have oh, Halloween. I, I already saw in that November. stuff up in the store. That's ridiculous. Yeah, maybe we can talk about like this. Silent Night, Deadly Night movies like that. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good ones. Christmas I, horror are special. There? Oh, well, I don't know about good Silent Night, Deadly Nights, but there there are some solid. Christmas uh, horror. horror oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rare Exports. You know, yeah. Rare Exports? Uh-uh. Oh, that one's great. It's a Finnish, I think. Yeah, it's Finnish uh, Christmas horror movie. Very, very Spielberg y. Uh, it's got like killer Santa Clauses. It's, it's great. Oh, man. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for coming. Everyone, check out Stuff to Blow Your Mind. And uh, I'm serious. Let's get in here like next week or the next week and finish this up. All right. Hi, sounds man. good to me. Thanks, thanks, dudes. Thanks, man. everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, 
fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.